We all owe them, but very few of us know them. They are the men and women of our military and first responder communities. And these are their stories. American Warrior Radio is on the air. Welcome to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Bueller-Garcia. We're coming to you from the Silencer Central studios. At Silencer Central, their experts make the buying process simple. They help you select the right suppressor for your weapon, handle the paperwork, and deliver right to your front door when you're approved. Visit silencercentral.com to find out if buying and owning a silencer is legal in your state. Veterans Day traces its roots back to 1918 when an armistice was declared to pause the First World War on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. Even though the Treaty of Versailles was not signed until June 28, 1919, the day of the armistice remains a date etched in everyone's minds. It was declared a federal holiday in 1938, and in 1954, Armistice Day became known as Veterans Day, the day to recognize and thank all those who served in our military. For me, every day is an opportunity to thank those who wear the uniform. But on November 11th, it is particularly important for the nation to pause and reflect. This is my time for my semi-annual public service announcement. Do not confuse Veterans Day with Memorial Day, which takes place the last Monday of May. It is not the time to thank a veteran for their service. In fact, one time I was with a good friend who was a Navy SEAL on Memorial Day, and someone wished him a happy Memorial Day, and he responded very candidly, Don't thank me. I didn't die. So what is appropriate for civilians to do on Veterans Day? A recent survey by USAA provided some intriguing insights into the matter. Joining us to discuss USA's a Senior Vice President of Military Affairs, Vice Admiral John Byrd, United States Navy retired. Admiral Byrd, welcome to American Warrior Radio. Thank you, Ben, and thank you for having me. Well, it's always a pleasure to have a bubblehead on, sir. Well, there you go, using that affectionate <laughs> term for the U.S. Navy submariners. Yeah, well, it probably wasn't affectionate when it first started off with the surface guys, but now I guess it's an affectionate appellation. Now, you, you sir, you are a class of 1977 Naval Academy graduate. The thing I love about submariners is basically you're a two-time volunteer. You volunteer to serve, and then you volunteer again to go on the submarine corps. Well, that is correct, and uh, I certainly enjoyed my time in the submarine service. I'm a parochial and biased. I think it's the best part of our Navy and certainly has uh, very, very capable ships. I would add, in the current environment, they are the most capable in the, the one area where we see every other uh, Navy in the world. Now, you commanded the, among other duties, you commanded the USS Scranton, uh, SSN 756, which as last I checked is homeported in San Diego. That's almost as cool as the uh, old number 770, isn't it? It's more cool. The 756, <laughs> the Scranton, was the best submarine in the fleet. Actually, when I commanded her, she was out in Norfolk, Virginia, but following an overhaul up at uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, she was brought over the West Coast as we moved a lot of our Navy to the Pacific, since that's where kind of the action is following the Cold War. When I tell you, I, I'm, I'm showing my bias a little bit. I'm, I'm a little partial to the USS Tucson because they actually took me out to sea twice. Yes, and the Tucson is a very capable ship, and their uh, sister ships of sorts. I mean, few whole numbers apart, but both 688Is and both very capable submarines, although they're starting to get up there in years, and Scranton will probably only be in the fleet in uh, three to four years. I tell you, one of my favorite experiences was we had some the Sailor of the Year from the USS Tucson in town, and he was out chatting with some elementary school students, and it happened to be a mathematics class, and you could tell the kids just weren't getting it. And so he said, okay, let's let's do some basic algebra. And he says, you know, solve for Y where X is the number of times you submerge. 
And, of course, the kids are scratching their heads. And, of course, the answer is you always want to surface as many times. You know, has to be as equal to the number of times you, you submerge. Um, now, you joined USAA in February of 2013. Was that your first stop after you left the Navy? That's correct. I retired October of 2012 and then started the job search. And I was fortunate and blessed, as far as I'm concerned, that USA reached out to me and said, would you be interested in coming to San Antonio, Texas, and leading our military affairs shop? I jumped at the opportunity, came down here in February. My wife moved with me. It was the first time in San Antonio, and we've loved it ever since. It's called Military City. You have they, and they certainly earn that title because they really look after the military here. Could you describe for us the role of the Senior Vice President for Military Affairs at USAA? What's your primary mission? USAA is unique in that we were founded by the military for the military, and so it only makes sense that it's natural that we have a military affairs team. It's 50 to 60 individuals. Almost all of us are folks that served a full career in the military, and then I have both officer and enlisted, so I have E-9s that served, and they were command sergeant majors, command master chiefs, and then I have officers like myself. And most of my team is spread out across the United States in military concentration place. Two folks in San Diego, one up at Fort Cavazos, formerly Fort Hood, a couple out in Norfolk, and the like. And they interface with the military community, if you will, advocating for USAA, our brand, our relationships, and building those relationships. Then back at the headquarters, what we do is inform many of our employees who didn't serve what the military is all about and give them opportunities to go out in the field, if you will, and visit with the military so they can learn more about them and then better design our products and services to serve the military community with their unique challenges and lifestyle. So we have both external stakeholders building relationships with the military community and internal stakeholders teaching our employees that didn't serve what the military is and helping them design the right products and services. Admiral, I know you didn't think there'd be a quiz today, and, and if you can answer this, I understand, but you, know, you mentioned USA was founded in 1922 by a group of military officers. You've got about 37,000 employees. Any guesstimate on what percentage of that employee base are, are veterans versus civilians like me? Oh, we know. We monitor very closely. We're right at about 25% of our employees, military spouses, who have the same experience, if not better. And our goal is to keep it there. In fact, that's something that CEO monitors very closely because we want to have that core understanding of what our military community is. One of our taglines is we know what it means to serve, and we live into that. And it's you've got, let's say, about 13 million members are U.S. military veterans and their families. And just so I can, in my own mind, sir, there, there has to be some sort of a direct association to service in order to qualify for USAA services, correct? Or has that changed? No, that's exactly right. You have to serve or be the son or daughter of someone who has served. And we can pass that down a couple of generations, and we had a commercial that ran for a while that said, I earn mine, and reflected on where their grandfather, their father, their mother served, and by that right, they can become a member. So in my instance, my children did not serve, but they are USA members, and my grandchildren are USA members. So I'm dating myself, but that's the way it works. And so 
that's how we grew, and those are called associates. And the variety of services, but most people think of USAA as far as just insurance, but you've got a, a variety of other financial services as well. That's correct. We have three distinct lines of business. We have the more conventional insurance, which is auto and property and some umbrella insurance, renters as well. That's one company. Then we have a life insurance company that does life insurance and annuities. And finally, we have a full-service bank that does everything bank does, checking, credit cards, certificates of deposit, mortgages, loans, auto loans, etc. So really, we cover the waterfront, to use the Navy term, of, of products and services that help serve the military community. We're going to talk specifically about the Veterans Day here today, Admiral, but I know one thing I really appreciate about USAA is every day of the year, they're very active in supporting lots of military charities. Yes, we use uh, sort of that same thing you started out with every day of Veterans Day at USAA. And we not only create products and services for the military community, we also advocate and raise awareness about our military. And then finally, we give lots of money through our corporate responsibility to support organizations, charities, nonprofits that support the military community. That comes most from the dollars we earn, as well as our employees. The last year, if I've got it right, our employees, out of their own paycheck, donated about $8 million to various organizations to support the military community. Outstanding. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ben Bueller-Garcia. We're talking with Vice Admiral John Byrd of USAA. They did an intriguing survey, and the answers might surprise you. Stick around. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Bueller-Garcia. We're chatting with Vice Admiral John Byrd, uh, U.S. Navy retired, a former submariner. He is now serving as the Senior Vice President of Military Affairs for USAA. Admiral, USAA conducted a survey recently, and I found the results to be really intriguing. Now, I'm a civilian. I never served, which is why I do this radio show, to bridge the gap of understanding between veterans and civilians. Looking at the results of the survey, that you surveyed veterans, active duty personnel, and the general population were in your sample size. The first result that jumped out at me, which was kind of shocking, but but kind of not, was that 28% of civilians don't even know or unsure why we recognize Veterans Day. But more intriguing to me was the difference in responses from the, the younger, if you will, the post-9-11 veterans versus their older counterparts. You know, I don't know precisely all the details and what the thinking was, but I guess it's understandable given the different life view and experiences young versus old people have. And by old, I mean people like myself. I certainly view things differently than the young people. Wisdom comes with age and new ideas come with youth. So I think you do see a variance in the way people see things and understand their service and think about life in general, and certainly with age, it changes. Sir, were you, as a veteran yourself, were you surprised by the results that, that showed that 70% of the younger veterans feel uncomfortable hearing the phrase, thank you for your service? A little bit, and then I had to think about it. In fact, when I saw that, I was surprised. I had some of my teammates, some of the other veterans around, and I think, to be honest with you, at times, until I became more comfortable with it, 
when people would thank me for my service, it did get me a little, I would say, uncomfortable. But then I realized it was just people trying to say, I really appreciate the fact that you were willing to serve your country. I mean, many of us, when people start praising us, get uncomfortable. So I think it might be a little bit of this. I don't think the alternative of not thanking them for their service is the answer. I just think it's something that they're going to have to learn to understand that people are very appreciative of the fact that they serve their country. At least that's my take. The survey did show, and it started a new initiative from USAA, is the need to go beyond thanks. And so USAA is debuting the, the Go Beyond Thanks campaign. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think that's the important part. So whether you thank a veteran for their service or not, and that's a good thing, you know, despite people being uncomfortable, I think in any case, doing something more than just thanking them for the service. Don't get me wrong. I think that's a good thing. But do things like have a deeper conversation. It's not hard. Where did you serve? What branch of service? Dig in and have a conversation where you understand some of the challenges some of the things they dealt with in service. I've done that in the airport, talking to other veterans, trading sea stories, as we like to say in the military. And I think that connection, that human connection, is very good and very helpful. Now, beyond that, there's all sorts of things you can do. You can attend a Veterans Day ceremony. You can volunteer at any one of these nonprofits or charities. You can contribute to a nonprofit or a charity that supports veterans initiatives, and then something that all veterans have to deal with, by and large, is finding a job when they leave the military. And that's where civilians really come in to help, because you can mentor, coach, and help them and network to find jobs as they look for that next career. They have that expertise about the military, but they don't have that expertise about the civilian world, and that's where civilian mentorship can really be beneficial. So there's a number of ways you can go beyond things. I tell you, Admiral, it seems like we're preaching to the choir here. I mean, that's that's the very entire reason that American Warrior Radio exists, is to educate and inform that 99% of the population that never served. And I, I, it distresses me, sir, as I'm out in the community, that when I stumble across people who just really have got zero concept, and maybe this is the way it's supposed to be. I mean, if you and your comrades are doing your job, the rest of us don't really have to think about it very much, but... I'd encourage folks to do so. I tell you, I volunteer with a group, and we're having an event just for a big deployment. Now, this was years ago when the pace of deployment was higher. And here comes mom, dad, and three handsome little boys. And I asked him, I said, well, which one of you is deploying? And he looked me in the eye, and he says, I'm going this month. She's going in three. And in wow. one picture of the sacrifice that these families make on our behalf, that all of us need to think about, at the very least, on Veterans Day, I mean, that's something I try and, and preach out there. And I know, I mean, certainly USAA is doing their part. I think in, in last year you donated over $47 million to military family resilience programs, which is which very important. And I want to encourage people to remember that just because we're not in Afghanistan anymore, that doesn't mean these families aren't being separated and aren't deploying overseas. So if folks visit USAA.com forward slash Veterans Day, they can get an idea of some of the suggestions that USAA is making. And, and you touched on them. It's as simple as reaching out, you know, make a phone call, send a text, invite someone for lunch, and have an honest-to-goodness two-way conversation with them if they're willing about what they're doing, what they're feeling, and maybe what the rest of us out there in the community as individuals can do to, to help. 
Yes, and I would say, by and large, they're going to be willing to have that conversation. You know, I think most veterans would say what I'm about to say, which is the best thing I ever did, I guess short of marriage and kids, was join the Navy and be a part of something bigger than myself. And I think you hear that a lot about veterans. I appreciate when people thank me for my service, but to be honest, it was an honor and a privilege. And I got more out of it than I put into it. So I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity. But let me pick up on something else you said. Yeah, it may be okay that they don't know what men and women in service are doing, but I think it's critically important. The all-volunteer force, which we have right now, just celebrated 15 years. Uh, we bought it in 1973. It is stressed and trained right now as we're seeing the propensity to serve fall off. So we need to have a awakening, a reawakening of the importance of serving one's country. And so I think the idea of raising awareness, telling them how good it is to serve your country, the benefits, and there are many for serving your country, so that other young people will join. The services have missed their recruiting challenges, and many of the services are shrinking, not by design, but by default. And that's not good. And I would add, Sure, we're not in Afghanistan or Iraq, but take a look around the globe. It's getting very ugly. We have a war in Central Europe. We have a war in the Middle East, and who knows what China will do next. So our national security depends on the all-volunteer force. We don't want to go to the draft, and we need young men and women to raise their right hand and serve. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, sir. And, uh, I mean, heck, I'd go back in if they take me, but I don't think there's much call for old fat guys with bad knees, but uh, I do encourage yeah, it. You're doing a lot. This radio show, the things you do, all those contribute to having young folks serve there. One of the things that we sponsored over the years is called Our Community Salutes. And the vision is that every young man and young woman that goes into the service needs to be thanked by their community as they head off to boot camp. That's the least we can do. So you say, thank you for your service? Yes. In advance of going to boot camp, thanking for your willingness to serve is important, too. And we have found when we do that, they're more likely to get on the bus and go to boot camp. Admiral, we come back, I want to talk more about the Go Beyond Thanks campaign, folks. You can learn more. Visit USAA.com forward slash Veterans Day. And I also want to chat about the Face the Fight initiative. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Enbula Garcia. We're talking with Rear Admiral John Byrd. The USAA will be right back. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Bueller Garcia. We're broadcasting from the Silencer Central studios at Silencer Central. Their experts make the buying process simple. They help you select the right suppressor, they handle the paperwork, and they get it right to your front door. Visit silencercentral.com to find out if buying and owning a silencer is legal in your state. We're talking with Vice Admiral John Byrd. He is the Senior Vice President for Military Affairs at USAA, which, uh, Admiral, I hope everybody's heard of, but we did give him a nice little briefing about that. It's certainly a a large organization doing a lot to uh, not just support charities, but also just to support the daily needs of, of our veterans and, and active duty military out there. You know, sir, I was thinking about our conversation. One of the other things I'd like to add here is we had uh, the famous actor Dale Dion, who's also a, a Marine veteran, a Vietnam combat veteran, and 
he shared something with me I want to encourage folks to keep in mind coming up this Veterans Day. If you do happen to come across a Vietnam veteran, say welcome home, and that will make a big difference for them given the situation that they faced when they came back from that war. Coming back to uh, your Go Beyond Things campaign, sir, I, I want to say you, you touched on something that is a real hot button for me. I get so frustrated, and you see this in the media a lot, this whole image of the broken veteran, that everybody who served, and if they served in combat, they're just they're broken goods anymore, and they're just, you know, they're, they're dangerous. You've got to look out for them. But they are such a tremendous resource. You know, engage them, hire them, like you mentioned. I, I've got clients who would hire veterans all day long, every day of the week, because, you know, they show up on time, they understand the command structure, they can pass the drug test. They're, they're already trained. You know, Uncle Sam paid to train them. So uh, they're definitely good. But also I want to encourage folks, you know, maybe get them involved in your charitable boards in the community. I know depending on the service, we they may only be our neighbors for two or maybe three years. But uh, just what a great resource out there in every community where they're represented. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more about veterans being the ideal folks to bring into your workforce. I mean, as you say, they are steeped in values. They understand work ethic. They show up on time. They, they welcome hard work. They're mission-oriented, and they they really want to be successful. And you're right. Very, very few, and I don't even like the term broken, of our veterans struggle with work or struggle with living in society. There are a few, but that's true of all Americans. By and large, our veterans are great citizens and make for a great addition to any work environment. And I would add that back to the Vietnam thing, and that was a great comment, we also this year marked the 50th year anniversary of the end of the war in Vietnam. And we had a ceremony here at USAA, as they did in other places, and we had some Vietnam veterans in. And I remember asking several of them, were you ever told welcome home? And they said no. I mean, some of them still had a tear in their eye, and they were so, so appreciative that we would take the time to welcome them, even though it's 50 years late. So that's very important, and thank you for mentioning that. But I also take encouragement, sir, that we're finding now that the Vietnam generation are stepping up and, and helping to raise awareness about the global war on terror veterans and saying, not not so many words, but basically, you know, don't treat them the way you treated us. Now, granted, our society is different. The, the times are different, but they're still a great resource. And, and frankly, you know, we're starting to lose that generation as well, just like the World War II and the Korean era veterans. One of the things that stood out to me, sir, from your survey was the distinction on how the veterans prefer to connect on Veterans Day holiday itself. 76% of the older veterans prefer to connect in person, whereas the younger vets mostly are going to do something via social media. And that caused me a little bit of concern because I don't think there's anything they can replace sitting across the table and shaking their hand and looking them in the eye. Is there? Do you have any thoughts on, on that uh, survey result? I join you in that concern. I, I think in general, a social is overused and done in lieu of that face-to-face. Now, if it's done in addition, if it's additive, that's fine. I mean, let's face it, a lot of the face-to-face is born out of the initial social in terms of connecting with somebody. I connect with a lot of friends through LinkedIn and email and the like, but I want to get together in person. So I think the most healthy outcome is to get veterans together, veterans with others, and have the conversation we talked about earlier. Because we are human beings. And, you know, there's been study after study, but it's interesting. The most important thing you can do for a long, good life is good relationships. 
sure, it's important to eat, exercise, and get sleep. But the Harvard study that went 85 years said the single most important thing is good relationships. And those good relationships are based on strong interpersonal relationships, not something done over social. So I agree with you, and I hope that as people connect and reach out to the younger veterans, they see the value of that face-to-face. Maybe they join the VFW, the American Legion, and these different organizations that bring veterans together or connect with the organizations like you volunteer with. So those are all very important, and I think it's beneficial to mental health and very beneficial to one of the things we were going to talk about, which is face-to-fight. Folks will be hearing this broadcast, you know, it is Veterans Day, and we've got listeners from California to Virginia, and I just struck me, sir, that in talking to you that the best time to plant a tree was five years ago. The second best time is to do it today. If you're hearing this broadcast and you're an individual or a business out there, it's not, you know, it's maybe too late for this year, but it's not too early to get started on planning something for next year and, you know, creating some kind of a forum where the veterans can get together with their comrades physically in person, and you can bring in children to educate them about the sacrifice. We just had a 99-year-old World War II veteran on who was just passionate about making sure children heard about the sacrifices that his generation made on their behalf. So, you know, maybe just a little poke with a stick to, to get that going. One along those lines, you mentioned mental health and, and physical health. The As I understand it, you are, USA is now partnering with some American Legion posts to install exercise equipment centers and some posts around the country and that the importance of that uh, connection between physical health and mental health. Could you talk about that a little bit, sir? Yeah, we have a strong relationship with many what we call affinity groups, the American Legion, the DFW, things like that. And, yes, we do support each other, and that's one of the ways we do it. But we look for opportunities to support vet things in any number of ways, you know, the Wounded Warrior Project, uh, to those still serving like the Armed Services YMCA, and certainly TAP, Tragedy System Program, when we've lost veterans and their families or those currently serving and their families need additional assistance. So there's a number of ways in which USA tries to support the military community, and that's the one. And if I could go to what you said about employee resource groups or having veterans in, we have a very strong one at USA, which you might imagine called Veterans Network. I think any business or industry can gather their veterans and form a resource group and not only for them to connect with each other, but connect with other employees and share the stories. And it facilitates that connection we're talking about. One of the other groups I volunteer with is the Employer Support of the Guard and Reserve. And on occasion, I'll go out to present an award to an employer. Of course, we have the, the Reserve or the Guard member, usually, if we can, in uniform, standing up there in front of their team and their workmates. And it's so nice to see the faces of the other civilians in the community. And you can actually see them swell up with pride, too. Uh, while we're presenting those awards, and that's a very special thing. Real quick, sir, we've got about a, a minute and a half for the next break. One of my favorite things is, as I understand it, USAA has also partnered with Bunker Labs to provide some grants and partnerships for veteran entrepreneurs, which is something that I feel extremely strongly about. You talk about just some great ideas and, and great motivation and, and mission-centered folks that come out of the military, and that's ideal for an entrepreneur. Yes, it is, and we have partnered with not only with Bunker Labs, before that Patriot Boot Camp, which has now been subsumed in part of the DAV. And so we've gone out of a way to look for opportunities as one of our things with military family resilience is to help veterans in transition 
And we certainly understand that veterans index highly towards starting their own business, but they need training, they need assistance, and they need that incubator that Bunker Labs provides. Can I tell you, folks, if they if people have an idea, sir, or they're interested in maybe participating, can they just go to USAA.com and is it pretty simple to find a, a place to submit a, a grant application or, or a request for support? Well, we, we have a front door okay. for uh, corporate responsibility, so the answer is yes, and they can come in there and they can ask for a grant application. Outstanding. When we come back, sir, I'd like to talk about the Face the Fight initiative. Folks, you can do your research right now. Visit USAA.com forward slash Veterans Day. And also, WeFaceTheFight.org is something we'll be addressing when we come back. Don't forget, you can find this podcast and over 500 others at AmericanWarriorRadio.com. Please share these important stories with your friends and associates. We'll be right back. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben B. Garcia. On Veterans Day, we've got a very special program, a very special guest. We're talking with Vice Admiral Navy retired John Byrd, who is Senior Vice President for Military Affairs at USAA. Sir, we're talking a little bit about just your great program based on the, those somewhat intriguing survey results that came out. And, folks, I encourage you to visit USAA.com forward slash Veterans Day to learn more about USAA's Go Beyond the Thanks campaign a lot of great ideas, a lot of great suggestions in there of things that you can do this Veterans Day to honor those who wore the uniform and sacrificed on our behalf. Sir, there's also a tie-in to another just a hugely important initiative that USAA has undertaken, which is the Face the Fight initiative looking to address veteran suicide prevention. The second leading cause of death among post-9-11 vets is suicide, one and a half time the rate of the civilian population out there. This is a scourge. I would agree with you. We certainly have known about it for the last 18 months, and there's been a team working on it. They've studied it. They've gathered a team of experts. And finally, this past June, we launched Face the Fight campaign, and we partnered with Reach Resilience and Humana Foundation and started off building a coalition. And we're up to 100 members of the coalition and about 40 to $50 million. And the goal, the aspirational goal, is to cut that veteran suicide rate in half by 2030. I don't know if we'll get there, but I will tell you this, the only failure is not trying. As you mentioned, we've lost 120,000 veterans to suicide since 9-11, and that's far more than we lost in combat, if you include Vietnam, Korea, Iraq, and Afghanistan. And it's something that is not insurmountable, it just takes us all coming together. That's why USAA is leading this coalition to address the causes and try and come up with solutions to fight this, as you appropriately called it, this scourge. I tell you, sir, by far in the 10 years we've been doing this program, by far, not even close, the show with the most number of podcasts was an interview we did with uh, former Navy SEAL Mike Day. And I don't know if you know his story. I do, yeah. I do. It's a tragedy. It is. And, I mean, someone who survived something like that, I mean, shot 27 times and walked himself to the evacuation helicopter, just, and you think, how on earth did someone who seemed so strong outwardly make that fatal decision to take his own life? And I guess it goes to show that we just never know, and the emphasis and the importance 
of checking in with each other on a regular basis and just how important that is. And, sir, I'm wondering your take on this, if this is particularly challenging for the global war on terror veterans who may feel, given the circumstances, that their mission was not achieved, and particularly given the way we withdrew from Afghanistan and how much of an extra burden that would put on them versus, let's say, a World War II veteran who who came home to ticker tape parades. Well, I'm not sure exactly what the cause, but I know there is a multiple number of causes that can lead to suicide. And the important thing is it's not all mental illness. I mean, a lot of these, in fact, greater than 50% have nothing to do with mental illness. Sometimes we never know the reason because obviously we don't have the person anymore. But in cases where somebody attempted suicide, we often find people are looking to take a permanent fix to a problem that we can solve. And suicide is not the way. So I think it's not only what you said. I think it's things like they lose personal connections. I believe while they're in the military, they have a purpose, a cause, and a team around them. And oftentimes, veterans, when they get out, are isolated and alone. And you know when you're in those situations, problems tend to magnify themselves and seem so much worse than when you have friends and people around you, loved ones, helping you work through it. So I think it's a bigger thing of connection and working with people to let them know there is help out there and we're all about wanting to solve the problem and suicide is not the way. You know, if people visit wefacethefight.org, one of the most powerful things is you have like little vignettes of veterans telling their own personal stories. And that's something as a civilian that, I mean, we can all help. You're right, this is one team, one fight. We as civilians bear the responsibility when we send our warriors into combat. And therefore, we also need to accept the responsibility to caring for them and their families when they come home. And so we can all do something. But I've got to say, honestly, and I'd be curious about your take on this as a veteran yourself, I think a lot of the the burden for this battle needs to be placed on the shoulders of the veterans themselves and the extent to which they check in with their battle buddies or their shipmates and just see how things are going. I'd be curious on, on your take on that. No, I agree with you. In fact, we've done various forms to face the fight, and we talk to friends, shipmates, battle buddies, in which they've lost someone. They often say, I wished I had reached out. Or they tell the story where they happened to reach out to a buddy, had a nice conversation, things worked out, and later that individual relayed to that person, you know, I was thinking about killing myself, and then you connected with me. Talk about chills up your spine. So it is about veterans reaching out to their buddies, checking in on them. And so one of the messages in Face the Fight is check in with your former shipmate, check in with your battle buddies, see how they're doing. The other day, we had Admiral Bill McRaven here, who led SOCA, um, Special Forces Command and the JSOC and the whole Bin Laden thing, and he told me, how much time he spends checking in on his Navy SEALs. And he says some of them are struggling, probably for the reasons you said, for the fact they're disconnected after being so high-tempo and working day and night on these great missions. But he goes out of his way to check in with those shipmates to see how they're doing, and it makes a difference. So I agree with you. We all need to take part, but veterans own a lot of it. 
which I served in, I said, over the years of doing this show, particularly with the the secret squirrels, the, you know, the JSOC and the Delta and the SEALs and pararescue, two common themes have evolved that I hear so often. One is the, the difficulty making the transition to civilian life, uh, you know, particularly when, like you say, high-tempo, tip-of-the-spear kinds of folks. But then also their feeling of loss of tribe and loss of mission. That's why I believe that there's a lot of potential and, and a lot of grace, frankly, that USA is offering giving them these opportunities to engage either as an employee or working with some of your other partners out there. I, as you can tell, I'm I'm engaged. I'm passionate about this. But at the end of the day, I'm just a dumb civilian. You know, I've never walked in your boots. But we can all do something. I encourage folks, visit wefacethefight.org just to learn more about some of these veterans and, and to see some tips there. There's also just a great list of resources available on, on your website for people that are either in crisis or just maybe need that extra little bit of help. So uh, congratulations on that. What a, what a tremendous resource that is that's available. Well, thank you. And, Ben, you're the farthest thing from a dumb, dumb civilian. You're very engaged, and that's exactly what we need. And, it, yes, veterans, but I think anybody willing to listen, anybody willing to engage can make a difference. And I will tell you this. I think our employees, I know I am, I am so proud that USA is stepping up to lead this coalition I think it's the best thing they've done in the 11 years I've been here. Maybe it's one of the best things we've done in the history of USAA is to take on this incredible challenge, this thing that's costing us so many lives, and like in the case of day, shouldn't have happened. We shouldn't let it happen, and we have to work to stop it. So I'm very proud of uh, my company that is willing to do this. Sir, you and I both agreed that it's not just on Veterans Day. And what other opportunities or what other resources does, does USA provide for the communities out there, either for civilians who want to engage or support or for the veterans themselves? Well, I think if you like to say, go to our website, there's a list of resources like that. I also mentioned my team is out there in the community engaging and doing it. And then there's the other organizations that you can find that we're affinity partners with. And you mentioned it, like the American Legion, the VFW, the Armed Services, YSDA, that they all have initiatives. The American Legion has one now that we can volunteer and you can look to help and support, as well as, let's face it, they all need money in one fashion or another to execute their programs. So it's simple things like going beyond thanks to giving money to volunteering and, you know, giving of your time and efforts to volunteer and support vaccine organizations is a wonderful thing to do. And I tell you what, there's a lot to be said for a strong checkbook, but there's also a lot to be said for a strong back and a, a kind ear and a kind hand. So appreciate you spending your time with us today. And don't forget, folks, visit usa.com forward slash Veterans Day and wefacethefight.org. Thank you. I don't know if I could thank you for your service today, but I'm going to do it anyway. And uh, please keep, keep up the fight. It's an honor and a privilege, and thank you for having me, Ben. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Please share these important messages. You can find over 500 podcasts at AmericanWarriorRadio.com or also on your favorite streaming platform, whatever that might be. It might be iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, we're everywhere. Again, please share these messages. Until next time, all policies and procedures remain in place. Take care. You've been listening to American Warrior Radio. Archived episodes may be found at AmericanWarriorRadio.com or your favorite podcast platform.